If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, so look, for the first 47 minutes, we don't talk a whole lot about fitness, uh, but we do have some fun conversation in that intro portion. It so is we, fun, Sal. We start out by talking about the FIRE documentary. Justin has an interesting theory about that. And I'm excited because literally while we were doing this podcast, I got a text message back saying that Mark will be here. Oh, he is going to come on the show. Yeah. He knew it. Yeah. Excellent. Yes, Excellent. let's get him on. We'll ask him if uh, that documentary was an inside job. Uh, oh. Then we talked about the facials. That we got from Four Sigmatic. They have a new product uh, that you can put on your face. Uh, mm. You can actually eat it too, which is kind of interesting. I licked a lot of mine. Shows you that it's not toxic. And they have a serum. Um, I don't know. I think we look, I don't know, a good five years younger. What do you think? I mean, it exfoliated me completely. Very nice. Whatever look, that means. Four Sigmatic is one of our sponsors. They do have the highest quality mushroom-based supplements you will find anywhere with a patented dual extraction process. So we got you guys a discount. All you got to do is go to Four Sigmatic, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash Mind Pump. Use the code Mind Pump at checkout for discount. My favorite product are the Cordyceps. I'll take that before hard workouts. Then I talked about my son's workouts and how we're trying to take advantage of his testosterone boosting uh, that's happening through this puberty phase and the gains he's getting right now. It's pretty funny. It's cracking oh, me up. Oh, yeah. Then we talked about YouTube's new stance on borderline content, and Adam told us how the Vegans Gains uh, Vegan Gains channel got kicked off of YouTube. I mean, mm. that guy's a dick, but I don't know if he should be kicked yeah. off. Very interesting. Then we talked about new contact lenses uh, that they're talking about that can magnify, like three times magnification. What? Go, go gadget eyeballs. Crazy. Um, and then we went on a tangent talking about the evolution of humans with technology here we go, bionic penis. Yeah. Then I talked about the documentary on Prime that is really cool called Inner World, Outer World, and the value of wisdom versus knowledge. They are two separate things. And that's 47 minutes, and then we get into the fitness stuff. So the first fitness question was, uh, what is our best advice to help break food addiction? It can be a very hard thing to change how you eat it could almost feel like you're addicted to a drug. We give our advice based off of our experience training people for a long time. Forever. The next question, uh, what do we think about the new diet that has you eat uh, and train according to your neurotype? Is this a new fad? Uh, is there validity? Or is it just baloney? Great marketing. And the next question, uh, what are some of our favorite strongman type lifts and what are their value? And the final question, we get nice and touchy-feely with each other. What are the most paradigm-shattering things we have learned from each other? Also, I'd like to remind everybody that you only have 48 hours left. There's two days left. That's it. For the 50% off discount on MAPS Anabolic, that is our foundational flagship program. Phenomenal for building up your metabolism, building muscle, building strength. All you got to do is go to mapsfitnessproducts.com, use the code RED50, R-E-D-5-0, no space, to get that discount. You only have two days left after that. That promotion is gone. Also, if you already have MAPS Anabolic, you can still go on that site and check out our other MAPS programs. We have a lot on there. That site, again, so you don't forget, mapsfitnessproducts.com. T-shirt time! 
And it's t-shirt time. Oh, it's my favorite time of the week. <laughs> yeah. Every single time. Every time it is. Yeah, every time it's the favorite. Well, we had a really good week. Lots of people heeded your uh, call to put out reviews. We've had over 50 reviews. Wow. Oh, so starting That's with That's what our I like to see. iTunes winners. We got Jordo 37 Jen Braden, Pappy7245, CLM925, and... On Facebook, we have Shannon Jade Green, Rebecca Aaron, James J. Johnson, Caitlin Merrill, Charlie Brown, Sarah Berkeley, John Francis, and Susan Icorn Young. All of you are winners, and the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, your Instagram handle, and we'll get that shirt right out to you. Yeah. Charlie Brown. Dude, I think your theory... Justin, yeah, is brilliant. On, yeah, well, on the on the fire documentary. Think about it. Man. I don't know if it's true though. I, but I, it doesn't matter. Know. It'd be it's brilliant. It could totally be true. I just see it as like he would be the guy to hustle something like that. Like, and plus, like he has access to all this footage, and I'm sure he has rights to this footage. So the the incentive is there for him to now put it out there to make money off so of it. So the theory is that the 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 main dude, Billy whatever his name is, what's McFarland. his name? Yeah. Mc, McFarland? McFarland, yeah. Billy McFarland, the guy who... I thought he was related to, you know, uh, Seth McFarland yeah, from so Family that, Guy. He so, kind of looks like him with a smile, so too. So he, he, the guy who put together the whole fire, you know, music festival on the island that went to shit, and now he's being sued for $100 million, might go to jail or whatever. The theory is that he put this documentary together that's now going viral and I could to make money off of his failure and you know what it's a brilliant idea because you're right a lot of the footage was on the documentary was from people who filmed the whole process of the music festival which he owned yeah he owned all that right yeah but I, I also wonder then if somebody like Chris Smith who I think is the name of the guy who directed it or put it together right mm. I mean how smart would that be of him if he knew of the story, knew the guy's going to get sued for $100 million and walked up to him and said, hey, I'm going to pay you a hundred grand for all well, your footage that you're going to... You- yeah. I'll tell you another thing that tipped me off to that theory was uh, one of the guys, like towards the end of the uh, documentary, he gets a call from Billy and and he's like, oh yeah, no, I said good things. Yeah. Said, said lots of good things but about they, you. But they put it on the, the documentary, which makes me feel like he inserted that to make himself look like he's still talking to the guys that he have ripped off, so he's kind of a yeah, nice Yeah, partially guy. that, but also that he knows all these people that are getting interviewed, and he's he's an integral piece to this whole thing. Because think about it. Think about how brilliant this would be. You, you tell everybody, look, they're going to do a documentary about this whole process. Just be honest. Just be as honest as possible, and they're going to put it up there and you know watch what happens. And for him... Because how do you how do you survive how does you uh, your reputation survive something as terrible as that is that you you put it all out there right right mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah, you call yourself a douche yeah. yeah right whoa that would be brilliant I can't aren't we gonna have uh, what's his name on the show dude I'm Mark so, Weinstein so back we were going back and forth on text yeah 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 and then I send over I have Brianna send over all his stuff for flight and everything like that and he asks like. You know, do do you do you have an idea of what the boys want to talk about this and that oh. and and uh, she she and he says that um, the email says because I, I really don't feel like hashing out the fire thing because it was so traumatizing for him to go through 
And I said to her, I said, be very direct. That's exactly what I want to bring him on the yeah. show for. I well, said, well, you were just on a documentary. Right. Completely, you know, no holds bar talking about right. it. Right. I don't understand. So she replies and told him exactly what I want uh, on there or what I want to talk about. And we haven't heard back now. Mm. If so I'm letting just, a couple of days go by before I kind of reach out. That just makes myself. my my uh, that just makes Justin's conspiracy yeah. theory feel more true, right? Like they're all orchestrated to say specifically what they need to say for this it documentary. Would be, it would be brilliant, like if you fucked up that bad, and this guy's a hustler, right? He figures oh, out ways to make money. One hundred. Look at what he did afterwards. I know with the email list. That was well. That was the shyster. Was That's the part that I thought was kind of fishy. That you. You'd, you'd film that. Yeah, you would film that. Yeah. Like I you know, you you just got busted for doing all this stuff. Why would you literally show yourself, you know, doing a Ponzi scheme through somebody else? You know, like that's yeah. then again, someone with that massive of an ego does crazy shit like that. Yeah. You know, and he's like, I'm not going to jail. Right. Like his whole thing is I'm not going to jail. Right. And it's almost like he's flaunting it out there that well, he can get away with this shit. So if you fuck up really bad, the worst thing that you that happens to you is that people speculate about you and talk about you rather than like we're doing right now. Yeah. Right. Well, no, <laughs> what I mean rather than no having bad press. all the video and stuff out for people to watch for themselves. Because people tend to forgive when you come out and say, This is what I did and I'm sorry type of deal. Mm. Very interesting. I don't know. I smell I smell a rat. Yeah. Oh, so he was sentenced to six years, huh? Oh, oh so wow. he did get yeah. sentenced. But he's probably gonna go to like mm. club fed or whatever they call it, you know, where, oh, they, yeah. where they send the rich people. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like an op- you know, Lots open jail with tennis like, and, yeah, gyms and cocktails. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> gluten- Conjugal visits. Yeah, gluten free, yeah. you know, breakfast. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Dude, uh, did you see? So I did the. You know, we all posted the picture of us getting the the four sigmatic facials, which uh, that was a great. That was a great. That was fun. That was Rachel's idea, by yeah, the way. And I, I appreciate it. Can I just say that uh, I think this is a brilliant move by Four Sigmatic. Not that they're getting into skincare, although I think that's cool. They are experts in in mushrooms, and mushrooms do have some amazing detoxifying properties. So it only makes sense that you would, you know, that putting it on your skin would be good. Right. But what I think is brilliant is that they've made their skincare products that they just put out, the, the, the mask and the serum. Edible. Edible. Yeah. Now- Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Does, has anyone done that? No. I don't- not Really? I can't, no. Nobody's done that yet? Now, now here's no. why it's brilliant, because people listening right now might be like, well, why would I want to eat the face mask? <laughs> <laughs> it's- it's Save water. Yeah, because it's like it's on your face anyway. Right. Eat, your well, ah, face. Yeah, yeah, eat your friend's face. Yeah, eat your friend's face. No, it's it, <laughs> eat your friend's yeah, face. Take some bath salts. Eat <laughs> your friend's face. It's a new hashtag. Wait, for Sigmatic so mad at I commercials. Eat face. <laughs> we just changed their hashtag. Yeah, yeah eat your friend's <laughs> face. Uh, eat, eat your friend's face. Eat your friend's face. No, the, the the reason why it's brilliant is because the pe- people need to realize this: what you put on your skin, a lot of which goes in your body. Yeah, and it's so a massive organ. If you can eat something safely, it's it's more likely to be safe to put on your skin or not as toxic type right. of deal. Because like how many skincare products can you eat yeah. without right. getting sick? Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like so many chemicals and your your skin's just absorbing all that. Why yeah. would you want to do that? Yeah, brilliant. But Jessica likes the serum a lot. She likes uh, serum oils. For, have you guys used, you don't, do you put, you put stuff on your face? No, so I don't. don't? So okay. I explain the serum to me because I got a chance, obviously we all, you know, there's photos of us using the, the, the face mask, but we didn't do the serum. Right. I didn't do the serum. Yeah, least. we did. Justin we did. and I did. Yeah. So yeah. what I mean, is We this? went all in. 
Explain yeah. the serum to me. It's it's so it's like an know, oil. It, yeah, it's it's an oil with essential oils and, and other things that uh, Four Sigmatic is deemed to be good for your skin. But what I like about serums versus like lotions is that they they seem to make your skin feel um, more supple. Um, and it gives you a little bit, it's not oily. It sounds like it'd be oily, but it's not. It's just Supple feels, is a great word. Yeah, it feels <laughs> it feels a lot better. Jessica's been on this serum kick now for the last six months. She said it's like the best thing, like putting serums on are better than using lo, you know lotions, and she likes the Four Sigmatic one, so they did a really good job. Yeah. Anyway. No, dude, really good job. So this, this you know, I've been training my son, right? I got to tell you this this story. Is he been going? Is he consistent right now? What's going on? About two days a week. Okay. About two days a week now. We're being consistent. And when and when he does lift, it's all on his own accord. This isn't you prompting him, or do you kind of prompt? He him? brings it up, so he'd be like, "Hey, I want to, uh, you know, make sure we get some time to lift, okay?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, absolutely." And um, and then if we can at that moment, then I'll bring it up later. Say, "Hey, okay. did you still want to lift?" Got it. So yesterday, I I took him out to the garage and and we worked out, and I forgot. First off, you have what do they call them? Newbie gains. You know, when you first start working out, uh, yeah. how fast your strength goes up. Yep. Then on top of that, he's a 13-year-old boy, and his testosterone levels are yeah. ramping up. He's on natural steroids. Yeah, they're just going up. Yeah. You know what I mean? At a very high level. I forgot how fast you respond at that age. Even though I trained a lot of kids, I haven't trained now for a few years. Yeah. I take him out there to work out, and it's 5 to 10-pound gain on everything. Yeah. No matter what we're doing. You could almost do no wrong. It's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. We're doing bench press. He's doing four more reps than last time. And I'm watching his form and his intensity. We're pushing the sled, 30 more pounds on the sled, and he's pushing mm -hmm. it faster. Like everything is just is going up, and it's pretty It's pretty now, funny. Now, the, the irony in that, I think that's also what feeds into the problem because most kids that are getting into lifting weights don't like this, or at least for me, and I don't know if you guys can agree or not, but – I had no fucking clue what I was doing, right, right. you know, but it was yeah. working because yeah. the same thing. I was cable curling, oh. you know, on the 50 last week and now I'm on the 60. Like you're just, you're getting stronger. You know, I couldn't but do the bar on the bench press and then I'm putting No, tens. you're right. I mean, it's a real formative uh, time of your life. And so it's like, you know, the hard wiring, a lot of these patterns is something that's happening. And it's like, you are responding so quickly and th this becomes like, uh, you know, the formula from then on. So that's, what's really hard about breaking a lot of these patterns within this, you know, time of your life. So it's good that, you know, you're teaching them proper mechanics and really getting things, uh, established the right way. I'm also teaching them intensity and work ethics. Like we were out there and, uh, we were, he was pushing the sled, and I'm like, you know, the last set. So I ramp him up, right? So first set, just the sled, and he'll do one lap where it's really slow, full range of motion. Then I'll have him come back much faster because I want to work on his cardio stamina a little bit. And then I'll add weight, and I'll do that a few times. So by the third set, I had – how much did I have on the uh, on the sled? I had the sled plus another 50 plus another 35. Dude. So he's, he's pushing it back, and about halfway through, he goes, ow, and he kind of stops a little bit. And I'm like, what? And he goes – Oh, my leg. And I'm like, are you okay? And he goes, yeah. And he keeps pushing it. So then when we came back, I'm like, did you like twist your leg or something? He goes, no, it just it hurts because I'm pushing hard. And I looked at him like, don't ever say ow again. <laughs> That's not an ow yeah. response. I'm like, yeah. listen, if you're going to say ow, it's because you hurt yourself. If you say ow because you feel the pain from working out. Because it's burning. I'm not going to let you work you out anymore. Yeah. I'm like, trying to train yeah, him. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. don't ever say that again. What's wrong with you? Yeah. So that's yeah, funny. Huh. And, then, and then while he's doing the workout, I remember this too as a kid because he's got my, my jeans, right? So skinny kid. 
And I remember when I first started working out, the only thing that seemed to grow when I first started working out were my veins. Like I just get veinier. I don't get any muscle. Yeah. So he's doing curls, and I've seen like veins coming out of his his forearms, and he's got a little vein on his bicep popping and yes. throbbing. So while he's doing curls, I'm I'm singing uh, curls for the girls real loud in the, yeah. in the whole neighborhood to embarrass him. You know, like curls yeah. for the girls. He's doing them. And he's laughing. And then I pull up his little sleeve, and I'm like, "You got a is that a fucking vein on your bicep? <laughs> like, you got a vein going on? What's going on?" And he's like laughing. Oh man, it's so it's so fun to do that shit, man. It's a, it's a blast. That's exciting. Yeah, but it is true though. I mean, I really think that because. He's young though. Like you're yeah. you're starting him younger than I think. I, I wonder what the the average age is. What do you think the average age that to start resistance training? Yeah. Oh, twenties probably. I would think so too. Yeah. And so and it, when we're twenty, we're we we're at that point where we think we know everything, and so it's a very dangerous time I think in yeah. your life to be getting involved in resistance training. And then you get into resistance training. You start listening to some random person that's a celebrity yeah. or whatever like that. Or some buff guy at the gym. Yeah, whatever, right? And then you you see massive results, and it's like nobody is telling you otherwise. Yeah. Like, nobody's yeah. going to come in and say, like, hey, you're going about this all wrong. What you're doing should be done this way. You're not convincing me because I'm 20, and I'm every time I do what you know I was I learned from somebody else, yeah. I'm seeing results. Well, yeah, that's so, literally on you. The, I think I'll tell you I'll say this right now, and in this, I'm not saying this to piss the people off who didn't start when they were young, but if you're a kid, um, or if you have kids and you want them to lift weights, uh, it's the best time to start lifting weights is right around puberty because for two different reasons, one you get this favorable hormonal response during puberty where, especially in boys, anabolic hormones, they spike. I mean, they go from, you know, little boy hormone levels to, you know, when when my son's 18, they're going to be at, he's going to be at peak gorilla. You know what I'm saying? His yeah. testosterone levels will be at the highest they've ever been. And it goes through this really fast ramping up process. I remember when I was 13 or 14, I even got a little bit of gyno from puberty. You know, obviously all natural. I didn't want to take steroids or anything at that age. But I remember getting a little bit of gyno, going to the doctor, the doctor, because I got all scared, right? Doctor's, you know, testing me out. And he's like, oh, you're just, sometimes the excess testosterone gets converted to estrogen because you have so much. So you get this high testosterone levels. You want to take advantage of that. Plus, because what's going to happen to a, uh, to, a to a teenage boy, especially, but this happens to girls too, even if they don't work out, their bodies are going to build muscle, even yeah. if they don't work out. Even if they're inactive, a 20-year-old boy has more muscle an inactive 20-year-old boy has more muscle than he did when he was inactive at 14, okay? Mm -hmm. You want to take advantage of that momentum and lift weights because we've all talked about muscle memory in the past, but new studies are coming out showing that they're showing the scientific reason or the physiological reason as to why muscle memory exists in the first place. When your muscles grow, you increase these satellite cells, you increase these nuclei in muscle cells, and as the muscles sh shrink when you stop working out, the cells don't go away, they're finding. So so although you lose the muscle that you might have gained, you have the control mechanisms in place in essence, and this is a I know I'm explaining it terribly, but you have the you have as many nuclei as you had when they were bigger, those don't go away. And that's why the muscles come back faster. So my theory is yeah, if you muscle memory. If you lift weights when you're going through puberty, that's a great time because you're more likely to build permanent. 
muscle. You're more likely to do that. It's interesting. I uh, I have taken a lot to heart from all these like professionals we brought on, especially from like you know the sport uh, science background and uh, this whole TPP concept and like mm-hmm. active play. Uh, I had, you know, just intuitively have been doing that by building like climbing walls and doing all these types of things with my kids, like uh, the age stage that they're at. But, you know, I wanted to really dive into that even further. So we got them, you know, even signed up for things like parkour, gymnastics, like as part of like an additional, uh, you know, way for them to express all these different movements and patterns mm-hmm. and solidify, uh, you know, their body awareness uh, even further. So, yeah, I got yeah, this whole weekend was <laughs> devoted to tryouts man it's like it's at that that time frame where it's like okay you need to try out like basketball to baseball to soccer to this to that so i had like two different tryouts like going on at the same time all day and it's like i'm trying to like work you know with my kids and like trying to get them all prepped and like you know grounders and and hitting and, and this and i'm just like oh my god i have to literally explain like every step of the process of the skill of it and i was like oh man i just like <laughs> it's 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 interesting to me it's to good see good bonding time though isn't it oh it's great isn't it great it, it's great and you see it uh pay off like when 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 something clicks and and you see them respond to it and like you actually see that you know once they go to uh yeah. you know hit a ball or whatever I'm like yeah. fuck yeah plus studies will show that uh if a if a kid is obese or overweight through their teens the odds that they'll remain obese are like insane as an adult it's like very high odds and i think the same is true if you if a teen exercises and and creates some of these habits with fitness and stuff the odds that they'll be fit and healthy as an adult are much higher so it's just they're formidable years and especially with weight training because i agree with sports i think sports is probably the best way to do it especially with younger kids but weight training don't write that off you know if you got a if you got a 12 13 14 year old kid oh yeah do Puberty's it, perfect. Do it right. Yeah. Do it right. Have them do good form and all that stuff and, and you know, good control. But man, have them lift weights because the thing I like about weights is it's so uh, flexible. I can do whatever the fuck I want with them and I can do all kinds of different movements and, and individualize it for the kid. I think it's a it's a great form of oh, of and activity. the sled's a perfect way to to ramp up load without oh. you know adding all that excess stress before the mechanics are really there. I'm so glad I bought that sled. That was because you recommended it, and yeah. I, I think because having teaching my son how to squat is going to take me a while. Yeah, but pushing a sled much more natural, much more you know, much easier to get in, and I can ramp the load up with that. Whereas with the squat, it's going to take me a while before we can do any kind of you know any kind of load or anything like that. Anyway, there was an article. Did you guys see the article that Enzo shared about YouTube and what they're starting to do? I saw it, but I didn't read it. What's it about? So, great article, um, and it's just a sign of the times. So, YouTube is going to start... You know how... Okay, so the way it works when you're on... We learned this. If you want your videos to get a lot of traction, one of the one of the most important factors is if YouTube recommends your video under other videos, right? So, like, right. if there's a fitness channel... And they're uh, posting, you know, exercise tips, and that fitness channel gets millions of views. And then YouTube decides that our content, because we're a fitness channel, is a great recommendation for people looking at that one. We are by just through, just automatically going to have a lot of views because YouTube is recommending us. There's there's a lot of stipulations that come with that, though. What do you mean? Well, in order for YouTube, the algorithm for YouTube to do that, you have to do a really good job of the SEO part. Oh, okay. Okay. So, 
you know, just because you're a, sure, there's a lot that goes into it. Yes, yeah, yeah that which is Enzo's job. You know, this is a, is to learn that and to get better at that and get better mm-hmm. at that. But it's a good point I think to make because I see a lot of people that are, you know, trying to launch a YouTube channel or or aspiring to be a YouTuber. Right, that's a thing now, and you know they just start putting content out and they think that that's gonna like you're gonna grow. Like it's really really tough to to grow a channel that way, and. They YouTube is wanting you to put the same kind of detail that like a blogger would put into writing a blog article mm. into your visual YouTube. So, you know, when you look at a good YouTube video, um, and you could use some of our ours as an example, like some of the recent ones, especially, and you you hit the drop down uh, little triangle thing, and you can see. Sure. Uh, the notes in there. That's really imp- in order for you to get recommended on another page. Like that stuff. That's is an that- important factor. Yes. Mm. So that's a, but that's a big factor, right? You, if you get recommended, your the odds of having a lot of views are very high, mm-hmm. or much higher. Well, what YouTube is doing now is you're going to start to really regulate uh, what they consider to be borderline content. So if they think your conspiracy theory, if they think you're promoting things that they don't like, mm. they're going to stop recommending your videos to to other people. So, and this is interesting because, and a lot of people are getting upset with this because YouTube now is wielding so much power with uh, information. I mean, they're the the second highest search engine uh, that there is, right? The if you know, besides Google, and what in in essence youtube could really shift what people are watching and learning mm. so, and so now they're like hey listen if we can and the, i think people have a problem with this because it's uh because it's a little bit vague you know what i mean so it's kind of up to their discretion right but it's interesting We're, it's a sign well, of the times it's i'm glad you brought this up this has actually been on my mind uh yesterday um vegan yesterday or the day before yesterday i think it was uh vegan gains got pulled off mm. And I don't know if you guys know who that is. We've mentioned him on this show before. He's the guy that likes to like talk shit about like carnivore diet and people who eat meat and right, right. He's super aggressive. Well, he's just one of those nerdy yeah, kids that sits guys. behind a computer all day and and reads articles and is really book smart. Um, and he puts out some some decent content, but he does it in a way um, I think that uh, is unattractive for a lot of people, mm-hmm. like just the way he, he does it and he, the way he attacks a lot of people. So I'm not, I've never been a fan of his, of, of his channel and I, I don't care for him, but they totally pulled him. They pulled him completely off. And, and he, and he's, he had a decent sized channel, didn't he? Very huge. He had a huge channel. I mean, that's was his, it a recent video he did or was it like past ones? No, it was past. In fact, he uploaded a video today, um, in response to getting pulled out. Now, he uploaded it on another channel. I don't know whose channel he used to upload it, but there's a video of him talking about how YouTube decides if you get pulled off. And they have this kind of flagging thing. It's like three strikes and you're out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they do give warnings for if you're if you're breaking, you know, the right. file. But he goes into really, it's a good video for someone who's trying to like figure out like how that all works. I think he goes into really good detail of how they decide, and, and he is making a case that it's just not fair. It's not fair because he's got a video four years old that someone decided to flag you know, two weeks ago uh, for the content. And you know what? I'll t- here's why that's a good point that he's making. Especially today, what is considered abrasive changes so fast yeah. that you know, 10 years ago, if you could say a word or you could call someone something, nobody cares – 
10 years later, all of a sudden it's a trigger word and it's super offensive. And will they then go back? I mean, are they going to consider things in context? Well, so you see what I'm saying here's mm-hmm. uh, here's why I'm glad you brought this up, because I've been wrestling with this personally on how do I feel about YouTube having this power and can pull people off and is it fair is it not fair we have a business that's around content like this and my initial feelings were it's bullshit and it's not fair and it's uh, a scary thought that this company can have all this control and potentially kind of Mm -hmm. direct whatever narrative that they want and so I was kind of anti it but then now I'm on the other side of that right now or maybe leaning more towards the other side. And and now I'm thinking, okay, well, first of all, it's in YouTube's best interest to have people like this guy on there, that he's getting millions of views, he's driving traffic to their platform. They don't want to kick this guy off. I mean, they're not going to kick people off that have massive followings just for a narrative. They're going to, they want those, that traction and that that would, that would be Mm -hmm. terrible business for them to, force a guy like that who's got potentially hundreds of thousands of people that he could go take to another platform. Yeah, but maybe they're looking at the long game and or, they're trying to be mainstream. Or maybe not. Or maybe they're a privately owned company, okay? Or a, a company that has the power. It's a it's a privilege for us to be on their platform. Of course. And so I've tried to think of it like, what if YouTube was my platform? What if I owned it? And I was the brilliant mind that created it, and it blew. It started one day in my basement as just an idea, and then it it blew into this number one search engine that everybody is using, and it's generating millions and millions of dollars for hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. And it's now gotten to the point where it's getting almost out of control, and there's racist stuff on there, and there's a lot of really bad stuff. And it's mine. This is mine. I own it. What do I do about it? And oh. would I and would I create standards that align with me and what I feel I think is yeah. right or wrong? And which is okay. So that brings me to where I think the inconsistencies are that they don't want to clearly define it so people can uh, know like what those parameters are. That's like, the problem. The, yeah. It's not clear, and so they keep like a pulling people and. It, and, and what their definitions are change constantly. Dude, look, look. Well, I, can, in- I can find videos on YouTube right now with ISIS and crazy shit, uh, people saying stuff, and uh, they're still up. Now, here's the thing. I'm with you, Adam. They're pri- they're an organization. They, you're on there voluntarily. They can kick whatever the fuck they want off. Right. I don't think there should be any laws against it, for sure. They're an, they have every single right to have whoever they want on their sh- channel and whoever they don't want off their channel. That's totally within their right. Um, and we have every right to say it's fair or not fair and go somewhere else or take our customers. Look what happened to Patreon with Jordan Peterson, uh, Ruben, right. um, Sam Harris, right. um, and some other big guys. They left because of the vagueness of their new policy. And this is kind of vague. What YouTube is saying is kind of vague. Like, what yeah. is considered conspiracy? Yeah, but don't, but don't, here, here's the thing, too. Like it's, it's still, all in all, in its infancy. I mean, just 10 years ago, nobody was posting ISIS stuff. There wasn't any crazy, crazy stuff. I don't stuff. even think there was YouTube, was it? Right, right. That's, yeah. what I'm, that's my point, yeah. is that this is all kind of happening so fast right now. And if you're a company like them and you 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 want to be very careful and, and laying the law down, you mm. can't say this, you can't say that, being very specific. And so you put out general vague rules, and then you try and do your best to police it as you can. Mm. Now, remember, too, 
that like when you make a comment of like, you know, there's there's ISIS videos out there, but then there's like a, you know, what's his face who does the conspiracies who got pulled off, right? How's he getting pulled off? But then there's somebody who's murdering or doing something. Well, it's an algorithm that they're building. It's a bot that's picking this up. It's not like a little guy in a room who's like watching all these videos. Well, it's impossible. Yeah, but. So they're, cre- they're creating an algorithm to pick up certain things. Not quite. Yes, it's true. Both, it's both, but, but yeah. It is both because then people will write in and say, hey, what's going on? No, we're not going to put you on. Hey, what about these channels? We're not going to care about those. It's just vague. I don't think they're doing it, bro, because they're trying their best. You want to know why they're vague? To protect themselves. That's because, what it is. Yes, because if they're specific and you don't break those specific rules, then they can then sue they you. they can sue you back, yeah. yeah. So, well, so they want to keep it well, somewhat vague. And that's okay. There's and nothing so wrong with that. You, I, I would, too. If it's yeah. my company, I'm not, I, would, I, I care about myself first if it's my company. That's yeah, perfect. If it's my fine. company, I'm going to protect me and, and, and my organization first that I fucking built from the ground up. So I am going to put vague things out there so that you can't turn, me or turn around and sue me because I pull you off. Look, That look, might be a very smart strategy when you think about look, it. Look, let me tell you something, okay? It would have been conspiracy theory not that long ago to say that the U.S. government was injecting uh, you know, uh, black prisoners with syphilis. It would have been conspiracy theory to say that we were experimenting on people with LSD. It would have been experiment. It would have been a conspiracy theory to say that the Gulf and Tonkin incident that that was widely believed to have started or pushed us into the Vietnam War was manufactured and actually not quite true. All of these things would have been conspiracy theory. So that's why that's why people have a problem with the vagueness because. Who determines what's a conspiracy theory? And what's conspiracy theory today mm. many times turns out to be, not always, obviously, most well, of the time it's not, but many and, times it comes out true. And, the, and to the counter to that too, though, it's you see, like I see it within like my circle of friends that get misinformation from YouTube like constantly because of how like the, the, the depth a lot of these people go to sway, you know, with manipulation, with uh, the way the, the theatrical, uh, you know, way that they display this information, like it's it solidifies in people. Like yeah. people do believe here's, there's a flat well, earth. Well, here's the thing, though. We, we live in such a litigious world right now that if I had and let's take it away from YouTube and just think of like a like a, a like a gym, like we we're so comfortable and used to. We've been around our whole lives and we built the mind pump gym and it's, you know, 100,000 square feet. It's massive. We've got tens of thousands of people coming through it. And we live in this time we live in right now. And we got a lot of shit that's going on in it that we don't fucking like. But we're all very smart men. We sit down and we go, listen, we can't necessarily say that you... We can't be very specific on what you have to wear or what you can't wear. But we also don't want it to be okay for someone to come in here and their dick be hanging around and flopping around. Like we want to be able to tell that person that's not appropriate. So how the fuck do we put that in legal terms to cover our ass so we have the authority, because it's our fucking business, to throw their ass out on the street, but then at the same time, too, we got to be very careful not to ostracize some people. So that's a very well, tough place to be, I, I, and you have to understand that that's where YouTube is at. I agree with you to, to a large extent. I Again, I think it's all well within the rights, but... I think the criticisms are – I I think there's a lot of justifications in the criticism. I I don't think think there should be any – I agree. I agree. I agree. I don't disagree with you there. I think that the criticisms are fine and fair, and I think that's all part of the process. Mm -hmm. Just like, again, going back to the analogy, if this was our business – and we first draw up these this outline of what we our expectations or what we want to protect ourselves and to be able to throw Here, people. I'll give you a conspiracy theory. Okay, here's my conspiracy Why theory. Why do you keep going to the conspiracy theory? Because that's not really the main thing that they go after. They're going after more like 
racist, violent. No, like, no, no, no. That was that's been they're yeah, eliminating. They, too. Yeah, no, they've they've said that forever. You you couldn't put racist and, and violent and porn on there for a long time. The new guidelines are talking about borderline content and 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 they said I believe conspiracy is, is part of there. Mm-hmm. But so here's my conspiracy theory. Okay, we didn't hear any of this shit until the last election. The last election, a lot of people got pissed off and said one of the reasons why Trump got elected was because of, quote unquote, the social media platforms and fake news circulating that got him elected. I personally think that there's been a lot of pressure on these platforms for a while, and not just because of the last election, but before that, but this last election really pushed it forward for them to fucking be careful what they do, because if you're not, then some shit's going to happen to you guys uh, in, in the future. That, It'd be the, the, interesting. That, watch watch what happens in the next election and how monitored like Instagram's going to be, YouTube's going to be, Facebook's going to be. I guarantee anybody starts like putting stuff out there, like they're going to pull them off the, the, the platform. It's weird. It's weird that this is all happening now, although this could be a, a you know just a, a part of the evolution of all of it. I mean, look, here's the bottom line, and this is the truth here. If you have these huge platforms like YouTube, let's say YouTube tomorrow says, that's it, no more conspiracy videos on flat earth, okay? We're not going to allow those anymore on our channel. Do you know what will happen to the, the movement behind the flat earth movement? You know what will happen with that whole conspiracy? It'll grow. It'll fucking grow. It's funny because when you're dealing with conspiracy theories, the more they get acknowledged and more pushback, the stronger they get. Right. That's the thing. It's like you're you're feeding it fuel because now you're, oh, well, that's damaging. Why is that damaging? Yep, what yep. do you have to hide? That's yep. like what the conspiracy theorists think. It's like, gonna oh, they, it has more value because they don't want it. It's so, going to be funny. It's going to be funny. So, I mean, what is the answer? Is the answer to completely uh, let everything be on there and be okay with it? No, they got to do what's best for their business. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how, what they got to do. And that's how I feel. Yeah. So that's where my, yeah. my stance is on it. It's not- They're it's, going mainstream, It's not bro. clear cut, dude. Uh, Look, I'm, they're going yeah. mainstream. Look at YouTube's audience has changed dramatically over the last few years. It used to be a bunch of you know men- you know, teen men to 30s. Now you have kids on the, the kids' channels are getting tens of millions and hundreds of millions of views. You have see it's mainstream, and that's where I'm like, I am rallying to 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 regulate, like yeah. it, because you get a kid on there who's watching some you know kid channel and like getting kid stuff and advertisement, whatever, and then you get some fucking creep in a costume. I've seen uh, those jerking off or whatever. You know, it just like goes down this crazy road of like, what? How did you know? Like, so they have to be adamant about like you know people like that and like like underlying tones of pedophilia and all. Yeah. Types of things. You know the, well, mar- the market di- will dictate it. Didn't you know? we read? Didn't one of you bring up an article of a, a another platform or an option like for that that would that was safer to protect kids that are watching it? Oh, it's or like kids. YouTube? They're trying to create one. Yeah. No, I think they have it. Oh, the the kids version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, my daughter, true. that's what I let her watch. I let yeah. her watch the, the kids version, so it's kind of regulated for for kids or whatever. There was a kid advertising uh, platform that they're trying to uh, uh, create. Did you did you see that. what uh, Taylor posted? I think yesterday in his story about. Uh, ad spend being shifted over into children and you see that even with large companies i think it was a louis vuitton uh wow. yeah uh advertisement towards towards young wow. yeah towards kids towards bro babies. it's it's an interesting the, the the way the market's changing who was it uh the huffington post and a bunch of other uh news organizations laid off like a thousand journalists the other day because the way that money is being spent, like Facebook and these other social media platforms, they're the ones getting the ad spends, and all these other companies, 
They, they're not able to. And you know what's going to happen? Mark my words. You're going to see more and more crazy and, and fake kind of news being put out by these organizations because they're fighting now for more clicks. They're fighting for more views. Mm-hmm. So it's going to get much more polarizing before they die. Yeah. It's like the last, like it's like they're dying. It's like their last breath to try and you know, stay alive. <laughs> it so. is. It's gross. Yeah. Well, a, a little shift. I mean, since we're talking like crazy talk, yeah. <laughs> all fired up, right? This uh, I I read this article. Someone shared it with me in my DM uh, the other day. I love when people share cool stuff like this. And it was scientists develop a telescopic contact lens that can zoom three times. A what? This is the Black Mirror episode, bro. bro listen to this. What? Okay, it's a contact so, lens that can go up three x. Further, Weird. like, and how do you operate it? Uh, I don't know how it operates yet. So listen, it's it's still and it's, it's my contact lenses are stuck in three times. Like, I can't. <laughs> so this Extreme is close up. This is straight from the article. I have Jackie link it for those that want to read the full article. But the over the past year, we've heard about some pretty interesting developments in the world of contact lenses. Scientists have made progress on creating a pair of smart lenses for diabetics that are capable of monitoring glucose levels. Mm -hmm. And Google is even inventing a set with an inbuilt camera like the like we like, like in black, black mirror, mirror right. And now researchers over in Switzerland That's are working creepy. are working on the magnifying 3x. So it goes 3x and sees like Of just, course we'd have a camera in our eye. You know, that's like the that's like a natural fit. Dude, this just keeps going more and more in line with what um Elon Musk said. What you and I stayed up till fucking two in the morning talking about. We, <laughs> we were, were freaking out. Oh, yeah. I gave Justin some of my weed, dude. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We should, oh, it was good. Yeah. It was good. I, I was like, my brain was on fire. I was like, figuring everything out. Is this the night with the, when at we the went hotel? To Mark, yeah, we went to Mark Bell's. When you had the people staying up yeah, next door, yeah. banging on the wall. So, so they're having a domestic dispute like right behind me. So, a little funny story. We don't normally share this type of stuff, but typically when we go places, I make sure we stay somewhere really nice. Like I just, <laughs> I'm a and little, I appreciate even more so now that you do that, <laughs> right? Just so you know. So now nah, we save money. So yeah, <laughs> that, that's this would be Sal's so. Just, Sal's idea been Sal's probably. been in my ear a lot lately, you know. And and there's some things that we we changed this past year to kind of save the company some money. And we're, we're at, you know at the beginning we we're just like you know balls to the wall. It's all about growing this and that. And then when we travel, we want to travel nice. And you know now we're looking at all these areas where we can probably you know cut back a tiny bit and be smarter about stuff. Well, we're going to Mark Bell's to go do a podcast uh, at his place in, in West Sacramento. And instead of fighting traffic, because we're only a few hours away from there, we said, okay, let's go up there the night before. And because we're not shooting any content, we're not doing anything, like, let's just stay treat cheap. So we tell Brianna, like, you know, just find us a place, you know, number one priority as close as possible to Mark's gym. And then second, you know, put us in a decent place. So we stayed an extended stay, which typically are nice. But West Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> Born and raised. Got wow. Wow. I mean, the the place, that, the room that Justin and I had Ugh. literally... Uh, I mean the 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 ceiling walls. In it was the like bathroom. an ashtray. Yeah, like we're we were stained, sleeping in an ashtray. We're stained from cigarette smoke, and it was like I could I could feel myself breathing it in the entire night. And then uh, two two o'clock in the morning, uh, this couple, uh, it sounded like a family was actually in there. Like a whole <laughs> family was fighting and like yeah. slamming each other against the wall and slamming doors and yelling. And that went on for a good forty five minutes. You or said so. you thought you thought you thought you start seeing bullets flying. Yeah, no, I was. They were getting so loud and it was getting and banging shit over there. Like I was afraid yeah. bullets were going to come through Something the walls. Was gonna happen. So, but anyways, that night. Uh, you know, I just I made Justin smoke some of my weed, and we we started talking, and we went down this rabbit hole on uh, 
the what Elon Musk said in in Joe Rogan's it, it since he had that interview with Joe Rogan the, the one thing that just like stuck with me more than anything else that he said was you know how we are already starting to morph it's an extension of our brain it's it's already an appendage right exactly our phone is already becoming an, our appendage and he's so right it's so obvious if you've just looked at mm -hmm. humans the last five years on how much you have your phone in your hand to the point where it is fucking normal it is very normal now to walk down the street and see somebody selfing themselves or talking to the phone while they're walking down the yep. street. That yeah. is normal or now. Just yep. looking at Facebook, walking right. through the intersection. And so he makes this argument that we are already becoming this, you know... Uh, half machine, half human. Yeah, and, and the next step for AI, because everybody's so scared of AI creating itself and then killing us, it's, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, we're just gonna integrate with it, yeah. and it's go, and that, and it's to gonna me, be non-invasive for a while, like, right? Like, look how we all ad adopted the phone, and, and it just happened, and it was a subtle process, and we're like, no, this is part of our thing now, and it's just that's how things work. Like, it's not mm -hmm. a fast process of like, oh, and now I got a chip in my head, you know, and like <laughs> it just doesn't like go right to that. No, like, it'll, 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 it'll be, work its and way then it'll there. be like, oh, look, you wear contact lenses anyways. Yes. How nice would it be that your contact lens could snap a picture and zoom three times? Yeah. Well, fuck, I'm already putting them it's in my eyes anyway. Contact anyways. lens, you Dude, know, it's not you, that different. You'll never. I mean, think of all the arguments. That's how it happens. Think of all the arguments you'll win. You'll be like, yeah. oh, oh, are you sure I said that? Okay, let's replay the video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nope. Looks like I did. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, just think, yeah. like, and, and his point of Although that. Although women will probably win most arguments at that point. It, we we yeah. now, I told you, shit. we are yeah. now in a time, I mean, which, again, and I know we use the word fascinating all the time, but it is fascinating to me. It's just where you can be, you and I could be having this argument about something, and instantly it's solved by a Google search. I mean, we could be debating, no, it's not that way. Yes, it is that way. Yeah. And then you can pull up studies to prove your point instantly. How crazy is that going to be when you just eliminate the step? We have no idea what that will mean. I literally, know all of it. We have no idea what that'll mean because never in human history it's have going it had... to evolve humans faster than but, anything. But else we, we don't know have. what that'll mean. I know, right? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, we don't yeah. know if that's going to be a great thing or if that's going to be a bad I, thing. I see, and I'm not afraid right. of it. I feel like it will be a good I, thing. You, I don't think you should be afraid of it because it doesn't matter if you're afraid of it. It's going to happen. It's so you're better how... off not being afraid, right? But who knows don't what you, that's going to mean? Don't you feel like? And it's not to say that all intelligent people don't have stupid arguments or or, or do stupid things. That, that's not my point. But I, I feel like the the more intelligent you become, the the less likely you are to to do mm. outlandish, violent, argumentative type of things where it's just like you're you're much more. I mean, you could even Google search that right now, like how to win an argument. I, I, <laughs> if you're like if you're trying to win an argument, you're struggling all the time. You can't figure why you can't. Well, that's because you haven't fucking searched, looked it up and read about it. And you'll find out that your approach is all I wrong. agree with you to a point. But the one thing that that will not be able to provide you with is wisdom. And mm. that is that's where fair. that's fair. And that's where I'm like, we don't know, yeah, like the, the unearned knowledge. You're going to have a bunch of people who are normally idiots because let's be honest, there's a lot of idiots out there. A bunch of people who have all the knowledge and none of the wisdom. Mm -hmm. What is that going to mean? I don't know. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing, but who knows, right? Because wisdom comes from experience. It'll balance gotta, itself out. There'll be a wave of, I mean, it's- or, or, it's, I don't know who knows. If it's we'll like a debate it. that I get in with a young trainer. You're, you're your first year or two years into training. You've read all the books. 
you've Googled all the Googling. You've followed all the best YouTubers. So you're yeah. just you have a plethora of knowledge in your brain, but you haven't put the years in and the mistakes in that I have for fifteen to twenty years. And so we we still have well, these debates and arguments. I think it's healthy though. What's interesting to me is like so you already see YouTube being a valuable source for like if I want to know how to do something, like I want to know how to like change you know the oil in my truck or whatever it is like there's there's a, a video i can watch and then i was thinking like well if i want to know all the nuances of like how to hold my handle like vr is going to take that even further of like mm -hmm. how to learn skills but now i'm going to actually do them by watching yes. somebody like go through that well think about, here's a good example so i was watching a documentary on prime and i highly recommend this to, to anybody if you're into this kind of stuff because it gets a little weird but it, it's also gets into some cool science the, the title of the documentary is called Inner World, Outer World. And they talk a lot about the, the, the crossing between science, spirituality, philosophy. And when you listen to the wisdom that some of these ancient mystics used to talk about, you can see how a lot of what they said, just it, it's just true. It just lasts forever. And they didn't, have, they didn't have science. They didn't have microscopes and telescopes and stuff like that. But what they said was no less true than learning that you know an atom looks the way it does today because we can see it and one thing that they were talking about was the wisdom that these some of these mystics would get through decades and decades and decades of quiet peaceful self-reflection and meditation where you quiet the consciousness and are able to observe yourself and you have these amazing breakthroughs now compare that to some kid who goes to coachella and drops a bunch of acid and is like, oh my God, I'm, I know all this stuff. Do you? Do you really know the same stuff as the person who reached that, that point through decades of, of meditation? You, sure, you could take some ayahuasca or take some LSD and maybe see and get a glimpse of the same things that the guy who sat on the mountain who's for, for 30 years did, and you can see it for a second, but is it the same? And so that's the thing. We just don't know. We're going to have all this fucking information accessible to us. Mm -hmm. You're going to have everybody who's going to know everything, which is in many ways awesome. But with the, with the, without, the, without the wisdom, look at it this way, okay? You take the, uh, you take the average person and you give them you – the, you take the average 20-year-old boy and you give him access to all the women he wants. He lacks the wisdom to realize that it's probably not going to be good to just sleep with a bunch of women. He's not going to learn that until later on. You give someone all the money in the world. They've got all the money, but they lack the wisdom that comes with earning it and what you do with it and, and, the, and the wisdom that comes with the fact that money doesn't bring happiness. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there's this is where it's going to be interesting when people become gods, literally through knowledge, when they have all the knowledge in the world – at their fingertips, at a thought. Well, isn't that a, is, is that going to? What's that going to? Who knows what that'll mean? Isn't that a Dalai Lama or a Buddhist quote? The unearned knowledge, beware of unearned. What isn't that? A, isn't that? A, I don't know who said that. Yeah, I, there's, I, there's a famous quote that's that's yeah. been said about that. Beware it, of unearned uh, unearned wisdom. Yeah, that's or what. Something it, like that. Yeah, something along those lines. I, no, I 100 percent agree with you, but I, but I also think that uh, all in all, I think it's going to benefit us. Like I think it's only going to be better that people are smarter and have i mean i it's it, we're in the process of it right now i think mm. that you know we we talk we talk about it on social media carl young is that who said it yeah there you go oh. i, I should have known that i just started reading his book oh yeah 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 what's the what's the actual quote since uh, I, I massacred uh, beware it beware of unearned wisdom oh okay yeah 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 he that's what and he was literally talking about um 
psychedelics. Really? He, yeah, he was literally referring to psychedelics when he made that quote. Yeah. Because I think it's I think it's totally true. You know, like I could write down everything I know about exercise and fitness, but it's different. Not wisdom is different than knowledge, and it's hard to it's hard for me to sit here and quantify. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the you know I think that's the, the the best example I could give is the person who sits under the tree for thirty years and, and meditates. Uh, versus the person who who takes well, a bunch I of I always feel the more you know the it it just like presents a, a whole host of new potential problems or things that like look very daunting because of you you just like leaped into this new pool that you are you know you've never been before and so it's mm-hmm. like presents a whole new array of options and so it's like I don't know we might get to a point where like we start thinking more about the universe and it freaks us out yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I, I know a lot of spiritual leaders have said, you know, uh, peace comes from not from acquiring things, but from detaching from things. So it's like the more you have, the more you become attached, the worse you feel, the more, the less you have and the less you become attached to things, then you become, uh, you, you, you come to at peace. I I believe that. Mm -hmm. I I believe that. I mean, I, I even see it now with like simple practices of just getting rid of my phone and computer for an entire day, like how much better I feel. It's a, I don't know. I think it's a popular thing. You guys didn't watch the YouTube video or the little clip that I put on my story, huh? You should watch it. It's I think it's Oh, really, the anxiety and depression one? Yeah, I mean, that was the hook I used to get people to watch it, right? I was just, you know, do you battle with anxiety? Do you battle with depression? Or do you have kids? And it was just talking about, um, you know, how, how important it is that we be careful on, you know, presenting, letting these kids get attached to these mm-hmm. these uh, you know tools like an iPad an iPhone and uh, and how important it is as a parent that you intervene early on because of how that how the brain will form years down the road. So, I, I got it. It's mm-hmm. it's coming to me now. How you gain knowledge is where the wisdom comes from. And so if the knowledge is just given to you, a lot of that knowledge that a lot of that you lo- you lose a lot of that wisdom. So right. a mm-hmm. great example. This is an easy one for us to understand because we're in fitness. If if you could if you had this create this technological machine that you could walk inside and as soon as you walk out you're muscular fit lean and healthy that person although they would have all the physical effects of years and years of training and good relationship to exercise and the relationship to nutrition and all these practices they would be fit lean and, and all that stuff they would completely lack all of the wisdom that comes from getting to that place that, you know, I know I now understand a lot of because I've been doing it for 20 years. So, and I've talked about this before, like if they ever develop a pharmaceutical pill that just gets people fit, that's not going to give them everything that they want. They think it will, it'll solve some problems for sure, but it's not going to solve a lot of the problems. You know what I mean? Or most of the problems. Agreed. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Spet13. Best advice to break food addiction. Mm. All right, before we answer this, uh, we've been meaning to, to remind everybody: uh, if you leave a question on the qua, or you're you don't leave one, but you read the questions on there, the, we're going to try and make sure that we address the ones that are most liked, right, yeah. that most people want to hear. So we we tend to 
lean towards those ones that have seven, ten plus likes or whatever. So if you're not somebody who has put a question on there, but you're reading and you see a question that you want, just like it. Yeah, well, like we it. just pick it because of what we think we can go off of and, and run with. But like, if you have a question on there, you're like, oh, I wish the guys would have addressed this one. Well, this is where mm-hmm. we're gonna start paying attention. You know, if you go in there and like it, we're gonna like look at it. All right, so let's get into how to break food addiction. It's really this. The approach is the same approach on how to break any kind of. In addition, I'm at the moment, Jessica and I are listening to this book that talks uh, specifically about addiction um, and how to break addiction. And one of the things, and we're, we're only in the first chapter, but there's already been good information. I can't remember the name of it. I apologize. I'll try to post it on my story by the time this airs so people can see you know what I'm talking about. But in the beginning of the book, he talks about, the author talks about how we reinforce behaviors by continuing to scratch an itch. So what, what does that mean? Well, if let's say um, every time you feel a craving, um, you reinforce it by feeding yourself with that food that seems to get rid of the craving, you're only strengthening that cycle. And so then this part sucks. This part really sucks. But And I think the reason why people ask this question is because they don't want to go through the hard part. But the reality is to break any kind of a psychological addiction and especially a physiological addiction, you have to go through a process that you're not going to like. You're going to have to go through a process of wanting and craving and dealing with the wanting and craving. I, I think the fear of the feeling of the craving, the fear of the wanting is what makes it so difficult. Like if you're so scared of being hungry and craving that you absolutely have to feed yourself, you're never going to get through that that process of uh, breaking that addiction. So you have to be comfortable. You have to become comfortable with that with the, with the fact that you're going to feel shitty. Just like you know, like I said, when I when I uh, stopped caffeine recently, I was fully aware and prepared to deal with the the withdrawal symptoms, which were Slightly depressed, um, low energy, crappy workouts, not going to feel as sharp, and the fact that I'm going to want and crave a, a stimulant. And so understanding that and, and accepting that, as I went through the process of withdrawal, I just, okay, I feel like shit and I'm okay with it and I'm dealing with it and um, and that's it. And you have to go through that process because the way you break an addiction is through not reinforcing it. And as, Enough times to where it loses its grip over you. You have to have it lose its grip over you. So I'm going to refer to the podcast episode that we did with Dr. Andrew Hill. Is that right? Yeah. Was it Andrew Hill? Yeah, I was trying to think of that too. I knew we watched a TED Talk and then we got somebody on that. Yeah, it was was Dr. Andrew Hill. And that whole, I think, conversation was really geared around around this topic. Um, And I, I actually am really fascinated with their approach to helping somebody with uh, alcoholism or any sort of drug addiction. Um, and I think that the way they do it, I think is it, it's, it applies to any sort of addiction. And I think it's, and it's, it's kind of groundbreaking too. It's different. I mean, it, the old way of kind of handling addiction is this like, you know, you, you cut cold Turkey and then you go through this 12 step process, kind of like what AA has done forever. And, and I don't, I don't necessarily uh, agree with that because what ends up happening, and I've seen this, I've got several friends that are recovering alcoholics or drug addicts, and what I've seen is they've 
they they know that they had to cut that cut that off because it was ruining their life or whatever and or they had their family had an intervention and said no more and so and they've realized that it just cannot be in their life at all and so they've learned to cut that cold turkey but then what i noticed is that they they just feed that 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 addiction to or something else gets fed or they 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 go consume something else whether it be uh, sex or gambling or other forms of addiction they they end up seeking besides that one because they just went cold turkey and they really didn't solve the root cause and i think the way andrew hill talks about it and the way they instead of telling somebody no you can't do this anymore just like like food right you're saying no you can't ever have that is actually stopping for a moment and being like you know what makes you want this right now are you really hungry right now or is it because you sat down in front of your television right now and you don't realize that it's it's an interesting thought because you're going to be faced with it again constantly so you you go cold turkey you eliminate it well, there's always, it's always still going to be there and it's going to be in front of you. So you are going to have to keep addressing it. So like to build a new relationship towards it is, you know, something that is definitely like, like a high priority of like how to organize your thoughts around it going yeah, forward. Yeah. It's not just a willpower thing. Although willpower in the beginning is part of it because right. the willpower, you're going to need some of that to stop yourself from uh, getting, you know, to from curing that craving or whatever, or from from uh, medicating that craving. But what you guys are saying is the other part of it. You have to deal with with the feelings that come up from the fact that you're not medicating yourself. You have to actually deal with them in a way that allows you to have long-term success. So if you're the kind of person that, here's a good example. Let's say you smoke cigarettes. You get into smoking cigarettes. You start to enjoy them. And then you learn to smoke a cigarette when you're stressed out. What ends up happening is you create this pathway by the way the book is called the craving uh the craving mind i think or the craving yeah the craving mind that's the name of the book really really good book what ends up happening is now you're stressed out you smoke a cigarette now you've associated the relief of stress with a uh with something that you're doing this being the cigarette and on top of it you're throwing on something that is physiologically causes an effect which is the nicotine so now you're connecting all those things and it becomes very difficult to stop so to stop the process, you get stressed out. I'm not going to smoke. Okay. But we got to still deal with the stress. We have to deal with it in a way where you now have a tool to deal with that stress that is going to replace the cigarette. And what Adam is saying is totally true. Somebody may switch out their cigarettes for food or switch out their cigarette for another drug. Mm -hmm. What you need to do is find a replacement that is something that is at least better than the cigarette. Because you can actually move away from addiction in, on a step-by-step process. So uh, an example, another example is I've gotten people to quit smoking cigarettes through exercise. So what they'll do is, oh my God, when I'm stressed out, I have to smoke a cigarette. And I tell them, well, go work out instead. Now that's not the end of it, right? Because then what ends up happening is now they become addicted to exercise. No, it's a better addiction than cigarettes, but now we got to move away from being addicted to exercise as well. You need to be able to deal with this in a way that's going to give you long-term success. So when you're when you cut these foods out of your of your system, you're going to go through withdrawal. It's going to suck. Try to figure out ways to deal with how you're feeling uh, that are better for you than eating this you know these types of foods. And and not only by the way, there's with food, there's psych, there's physiological addiction that happens as well. Like I know for me, when I'm eating hyper palatable foods all the time, let's say I go on a trip, and that's t- when I tend to do it if I go on a vacation or something. When I stop eating those foods, normal foods taste bland, and I have a craving 
for hyper palatable food. I want more potato chips. I want more cookies. I want more, uh, you know, burgers and fries and that kind of stuff. And I, I got to give myself like a, it takes usually about a week for me to get it out of my system and for me to be okay with not eating them. And I, I know I have to deal with that. So, um, I, you know, Adam, you, you've gone through, you went through getting off of, um, opiate pills. Yeah. You know, what's that? Cause that's a tough one. Well, it's, everybody says how hard well, that it's, one is. it's the hardest thing I've ever dealt with for sure. Um, yeah, and how I think I handled it. See, I didn't reach out to anybody. I did it all on my own. Um, and originally, when it when I first realized that I was even addicted, because I didn't even know that I was. So I think that's step one, right? Is is to actually acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, acknowledge that you are. I mean, I think a lot of people don't think they have a food addiction. I think people are blindly feeding themselves and don't realize. So I think step one is acknowledging that you have a food addiction, and and a good way to acknowledge that is. Prepare your meals, have have good, balanced, healthy meals in your refrigerator, and when you have that, oh, I really want a cheeseburger and fries, I'm hungry feeling, which you would say, or what, and you have food prepared, and you still won't go make that choice to mm-hmm. go feed yourself with what you know is best for your body, and instead you still pick up the phone and order or go through the drive through and do that, that's a good sign that you have an addiction there, and you're not just hungry and you're just feeding that. So there's there's the first step is acknowledging that you have an addiction there, and then I also I believe that there's going to be a a, a large uh, variance between people on how they handle this best. And for me, when I went through the the opiate thing, it was like okay, initially I real I remember uh, you know I just didn't have them one night. I went through all this like shakes and sweats and like I thought I had the flu and then I started researching online and realizing oh fuck you know my body has become dependent on this chemical that I've been taking for the last you know whatever it was three or four months consistently after my surgery now at that point could you see how alluring it is for some people to lie to themselves and be like I don't know if I don't think I have a problem oh especially for someone like me so like you know and I haven't told this story in a long time so I'll, I'll be brief just to catch everybody up that doesn't know this but I, I tore my ACL, MCL. I went to the doctor. I had, uh, I got prescribed Norco, so you're really strong Vicodin uh, or hydrocodone. And when I when I first started taking it, I would take it when I felt the pain. And so I would wait and be, oh my god, I'm in so much pain. Then I would take the pill. And I remember coming back to the doctor and I said, uh, these aren't strong enough. Like I, I'm in pain, and then I take it, and I don't feel like it really alleviates the pain. And they're like, oh well. You know how how often are you taking them? I said, well, it says to take them every four hours, right? Four to six hours is what it says on the bottle. And I said, so I, you know, I kind of go for, by that somewhere around there. I wait, and they're like, oh, okay, well, stay ahead of the pain, right? Before you feel the pain coming on, then take it a little earlier. So basically, just gave me the green light to take these more frequently. And she was right. You know, I took them more frequently, and I was pretty much high all day long. And so then I wasn't in as much pain, and it was very numbing and felt good, and it didn't bother me. Well, I went from, you know, I think I came out the gates taking like three of those in a day or so, and three became seven to nine really quick. And then it became seven to nine very consistently for months. And then it was like, okay, I'm back to training. I'm rehabbing. I'm not in a lot of pain. I think I had just finished my last refill of a bottle, and I was up to taking seven to nine every single day, and I just stopped. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know. I actually, at that point, was like completely naive to opiate addiction. Mm-hmm. I and because I'm somebody who had a surgery and didn't ever battle with drug addiction, I don't think this is me. So it doesn't even cross my mind. I I don't take anything. The next night, the very next night, 
I'm in fucking cold sweats and shivering and shaking. And first thing I think of, I don't think drugs. I think, oh, I have the flu. So I'm miserable, miserable, miserable. I go in the next day and I'm just feeling awful. And I remember that I had a restless night that night. I didn't sleep hardly anything. And I'm and I'm feeling like I got the flu. And I remembered I still had like one more Vicodin or something laying around. And I took it. And it, the symptoms like went instantly away. It took about 30 minutes for it to hit my system. And I didn't just go from like feeling like the worst flu I've ever had to feeling better. I went from like feeling the flu to like feeling great. Like just normal, back to normal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, whoa. And like right away I was in, in my office and started like Google searching, you know, opiate addiction, Vicodin addiction and symptoms. And, I, and then all of a sudden and everything that I had just experienced oh, starts lighting up. So then I realized like, whoa, my body has become dependent on this and I didn't realize it. So th- that I think is so important. And I think that we see this with food. Like people just don't stop to think that maybe you're addicted to it and now, you don't realize now, it. Now, did you scale down or did you go cold turkey? So the... The obviously not taking any of that night or two is my example of cold turkey, right? Because I didn't take any of that the next two days. And then I realized that wasn't going to be possible. So then I think I went from seven to nine down to like five to six and from five to six down to three to five and then from three to five down to one to three and then skip every other day I would have one. And then eventually- I think that's the, in my experience, I'm not an addiction expert at all, but in my experience working with clients with food issues- that is the most effective. I, I have yet to work with a client where they come to me and they're eating terribly and I give them a diet and say, don't eat these foods anymore. And then they're, they're cured and they just eat great all the time. I've never had success doing that. The yeah. only success I've ever had has been, okay, let's reduce your soda consumption to half. Okay, let's, uh, let's eliminate candy you know, three days a week. Okay, let's have you eat vegetables on these days. It's a slow process. And then my own experience with things like caffeine, I went from, you know, one cup of coffee a day to every other day, half of it being decaf to every day, half of it being decaf to, you know, every other day, all of it being decaf. It's a slow scaling process. In my experience, that's been the most effective Yeah, I, I mean, I do this. I, I openly discuss my, my love for Diet Cokes. And, you know, I, I do this the same way with that. I... I don't demonize it. I don't say I can't have it. Um, I'm aware of the research on it. It's probably not a good idea for it to be something consistent in my life. So I kind of weave in and out of this uh, this thing where I allow myself to and then not to. And the way I kind of pay attention to it is I can see myself becoming addicted. It, it turns into like a once in a great while we're all out somewhere and it just sounds great because we decided to stop and have a burger and I haven't had a burger at this place and I want to have a, a Coke with it and so I have one. It goes from that to, oh, now I'm actually picking it up at the grocery store, you know? Mm-hmm. And I always typically uh, buy the little... They, 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 the they small make, cans? Yeah, they make these little mini cans uh, and that like, you know, on a lot of ice that kind of satisfies the craving. And so, you know, one of those things will last me, a, you know, probably a month and then it goes to where I'm starting to have them, you know, every other day to then every day. And then eventually I'm having a full Coke and that full Diet Coke. And when I catch myself doing that back to back days or stringing multiple days in a row, I now know I'm fully in mm-hmm. again. And so then I once I'm, I see that, I go the other direction and I start to pull back mm-hmm. and then have none again. So, Justin, how did you get off gluten? Because you don't eat gluten anymore. Every time now we go out, we had a burger the, uh, when we were driving up from 
interviewing Mark Bell, and yeah. that's the third time I've seen you order a burger wrapped in lettuce. You are like on. You yeah. are not eating gluten. I've just trained myself to enjoy that. Like I, I actually crave, you know, uh, a lettuce wrap versus a regular burger anymore. And it's it's mainly for me. I've just really tried to pay attention to how my body um, reacts and, and receives. Uh, you know, like if I eat bread, like what I, it's almost within five minutes, like even faster sometimes where I know like the result of what's going to happen just based off of like, um, that's where you get the, the, the acid reflux uh, starts coming. It's just, it, it turns into something like, so for me, it's, it's, it's an avoidance of an unnecessary pain, you know, that, um, has conditioned me to then seek out other foods and, and really like, I don't know. Like I'm just in, in more of a place now where mentally that's that like I get more enjoyment out of um, eating foods that benefit my energy. And um, it's just it's just for me just thinking about it differently, yeah. really. Like that's I because uh, there, there's foods out there that taste fucking great, you know, and, and, and but I don't miss them. So it's 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 at that point. I had it, it took a long time for me to get to that place, though. So it's not like you know that was an overnight thing. Yeah, it takes it takes a while. One hundred percent. I tell you what, pay attention to how how you feel when you don't eat these foods, and make positive associations with them. And, That's the key. You know, and it makes it makes it a lot easier. Next question is from Adaptation. What do you think about eating and training as per your neurotype, depending on what transmitters are most dominant and or you are most sensitive to. <laughs> you know why I picked this question? You know why this is like the blood type thing? Yeah, you dude. know why I picked this question? Because 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 I think it's stupid to pay attention to to a single factor like your neurotype, depending on your neurotransmitters and what's more dominant. You know, are you serotonin dominant and dopamine dominant and all that other stuff? Here's the deal. Um, well, isn't it also it, always changing? Yeah. It's not only that, but when you're exam- – and this is, again, we, we talked about wisdom earlier. This is a wisdom thing. When I'm training a client, when you guys are training clients, how many factors come into play that help you determine what the workout is going to be like a lot, today? Right? Yeah. So it's you could have the gene that says that you should work out like a strength athlete. Yeah. But you slept bad yesterday. You're a little stiff and sore in your joints. Your workout, the the previous workout we had was a particular way. Your diet mm-hmm. is a. I'm going to change my advice. I'm going to change how I train you. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think that these 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 products and these books that come out that are like blood type training and train yourself according to your genes and train yourself according to your neurotype. Just a gimmick. It's yeah. total catchy gimmick. Yeah. It's just like a somatotype. I mean, it, it, it's all these things we're trying to simplify. Uh, all those variables for people and try and steer them in one particular direction, but you, you still have to be the one steering and, and understand like if any of those things really apply to you or not. And so it's there's just so many more factors involved than just well, like let's just we narrowed it down. Like the general consensus is this, and even it if, never works out like even that. if these things had any sort of validity to it too, because there's the, the the jury's still out on some of this stuff, right? Like sure. we, we we haven't like fully proven wrong like the blood type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's well, it's, there's it's, no, nothing's really shown that it, that it works. That's I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like it's yeah. it's nothing shown that it really works. Nothing really shown that it doesn't work. <laughs> so right. That's why it still sticks around. Right. But the the point is that I'm trying to make is that it's splitting hairs on on the real difference that it's it's going to make in your overall 
fitness and health journey and and you're better off focusing on other things than trying to become so uh, myopically focused here right i mean i think it's ridiculous it's to- silly i mean look if, if let's say somebody let's say i had a machine that i could take someone's blood and when i got the results back it said the absolute most effective form of cardiovascular activity for this individual is swimming and i'm like whoa like this super advanced machine is telling me that if you swim you're gonna get the best cardio results from swimming over any of the forms of cardio and i tell mrs johnson her results hey check it out we're gonna we're gonna swim because this is what your results said she's like i hate swimming okay <laughs> we're not doing it like literally like you have to take all these things into account right even if all these factors look i talk about traditional strength training as being the best form of exercise in in the context of modern life for most people. I talk about that all the time. But if you fucking hate weight training and you really, really love yoga, mm-hmm. and if your choices were yoga and nothing, what's what's better for you? Right. Yo- yoga or resistance training? The one thing you're not going to do or the thing you're going to do? You see right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So all the, anytime you read something like this, uh, I would take it with a grain of thought. I, I saw. I think it's. I think it's fascinating. I think yeah. I would read into this and see what the theories are behind it and find it interesting. And you know, people like to read about themselves. Uh, this is why horoscopes still exist. We, I mean, we know horoscopes are are complete bullshit, even though Adam believes in them. <laughs> but we we know Scorpios. Yeah, we know there's we know they're complete baloney. Just because I'm a cool sign. But <laughs> we're the horniest. Yeah. But yeah. people like them because we love reading about ourselves. Like if I wrote a thing, if I wrote an article right now, see I've been writing articles for Mind Pump and we're always trying to get a lot of views. And if I wrote an article that said, hey, you know, what your favorite color says about the kind of workout you should be doing, <laughs> right. yeah. we would get, you know how many people would share that? Yeah, this is just marketing. Yeah. Right. If your favorite color is red, then you probably should be doing this workout and I can make up some bullshit. People love to read about themselves. This is total waste of yeah, your time. Yeah, because neurotyping, I mean, that, uh, like you guys said, it could change. Like you could learn new skills. You can acquire new things. You could bridge new, uh, you know, fundamental things that your brain, you know, fires in a different way because of. So it, it's like, it's not like you're always going to be that same person well, with that same neurotype. And to that point, because I brought up the, the blood type too, because we may as well address it since I threw it out there. I mean, you could also be somebody who you're eating for your quote unquote blood type, and one of the foods on your blood type list could be something you're intolerant to now, sure. because you you got leaky gut syndrome five yeah. ten years yeah. back, and you were eating a ton of the stuff that you were told that you just overwhelmed to your body with the same food, which right. now you build yeah, right now you have an, yeah, yeah yeah now you have an intolerance to it. So yeah. you know that you're focusing on these things, uh, I think, is a waste of, a, a no. waste of time. And your perception is something that you what you perceive and what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy are, in my experience. More important than all of those things. Okay, so if, if I'm if I'm gonna you know if I'm gonna help someone work out, one of the things that is at the top of the list of factors that contributes to how I train this person is what do you enjoy doing? How much time can you realistically spend on exercise? I don't give a fuck what I think is best for you. If it's something you hate, we're not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And and I'm gonna work with things you really enjoy doing because you're more likely to do it. So at the end of the day, you have to consider all those factors. And the most important thing is this. What are you going to enjoy doing? What do you want to do? Start with that. And don't worry about your neurotype. It always amounts to constantly learn, constantly grow. Mm. Next question is from Mr. Rota. What are your favorite strongman lifts? Mm. You know, when we... uh, 
when we um, worked with uh, Robert uh, Overs, yeah, to put together Map Strong, that was fun. That was a lot of fun, and I, I'll be honest, I, I'd always um, seen the value and understood the value of lifts that strongmen did, but I didn't quite grasp the value for someone like myself, who you know I have no interest in competing in a strongman competition. I do like strength. And I do like building muscle. And there's some exercises that strong men do that, you know, I would do other exercises instead of. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, if you do heavy trap bar farmer walks, you're going to build good grip strength and you'll probably build good upper traps and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I could do shrugs and deadlifts and and, and not going to typically not going to do that. But we wrote Map Strong and had all these exercises that I don't normally do. And so I followed the program. I, you know, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll write a program, especially something that's different than what we normally would do, and we'll follow it ourselves so we know what, what it feels like. And I did all these exercises. And let me tell you, they have value all on their own. Like heavy, heavy farmer walks with the trap bar, huge value in mm-hmm. that. Like I built muscle in my upper back and strength uh, in my, my grip and, again, my upper back. That translated to my deadlifts right. later on. Strength and stamina in that grip. Dude, so think about that and how applicable that is in almost everything. Yeah, I, so now it's part of my routine. Now I do, I'll do some heavy carries um, on a semi-regular basis. Uh, the other one is a uh, zercher uh, squats. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I knew what their value was again, but I didn't really, you know, do them because I could do a front squat, I could do a deadlift, I could do other exercises. But no, man, front uh, zercher squats again. I built, um, I built my arms got bigger from doing that just from holding yeah. in that position, which not traditionally an arm exercise see i loved uh the sandbag exercise especially the shouldering sandbags because for me like to um pick up awkward objects that's a constant thing especially where i live like moving logs and 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 you know grabbing uh objects even just throwing my kid up over my shoulder like they're just you know they're moving they're squirming you know it's awkward weight it's it's way more uh, applicable to like my daily life like in general so I, I feel like strong just like picking up this object throwing it up over my shoulder and it uh it's one of those things where it's like if you're an everyday average dad or, or mom or whatever like you're going to be faced with those types of things yeah one thing i like about the strongman lifts is that they do a lot of uh rounded back lifting yeah so i don't mean like your lower back is super rounded where you're you're going to hurt yourself. What I mean is the upper back shoulder blades around it. So imagine imagine if you grab a really big round off. Imagine if you take a barrel. one barrel. Yeah, like a barrel or you or you have a big buddy that you want to like pick up like a wrestler. You have to round your shoulders in in order to fully grasp around them and then you have to lift. I got a guy, he's Bob. Yeah. So there's a there's a because of the 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 rounding of the upper back, you're strengthening you're developing tension in that position and developing strength in that position a lot of exercises where you're lifting heavy your your goal is trying to maintain more of a retracted shoulder blades you're not getting lots of that rounded back or that hug position and so some of the strongman lifts you know incorporate that and they build muscle yeah you know what about the snatch grip stuff well so my my favorite it's funny you picked this question because today on my my schedule to lift today what i'm doing and what I, I think I mentioned this in a podcast earlier that, you know, my volume of training is is pretty low. It's probably the lowest I've ha- I've been in years. And I the other day I spent the entire hour doing Turkish get ups. Uh, time before that I was just squatting the entire hour. So I've been doing like 
movements that I really enjoy that have lots of carryover that just working on the skill of them. And today I had already planned, which is funny. We're bringing this up uh, circus press. And that is like uh, a favorite. That that's a, a, a favorite uh, move of mine. I just, it again, bring it to me. It's so practical to a lot of things that you would have to do is picking something up off the ground and then being strong enough to be able to stabilize it with your core. And then the ability to lift it up over your head such a, a great movement. And I used to do a variation of the circus press. Now, the circus press that um, Robert Overs taught us was from ground all the way up. And mm. I used to already do like a, you know, single arm dumbbell press standing a lot. It was like one of my... But it would stay up there. Yeah, but it would stay yeah. up there. So I love incorporating it, bringing it from the floor all the way up uh, and then pressing over over my head. Uh, favorite uh, move of mine for sure. Yeah. What about the snatch grip, uh, like like high pulls and deadlifts? Yeah. yeah. Those were. I know Doug was. There was talking Doug, about a back builder. Well, Doug's been trying to build his upper back and traps for a long time, even when I first started training him, and that's always been an area he's focused on. And he's like, that's the most most effective thing that he's done that, for his his traps and, and upper mid back. And I will not disagree because when I was doing those those high pulls with the with the snatch grip, it would. I mean, it would work my upper back in ways that no other exercise really has. I really have never felt the way that those exercises make my make me feel. Yeah, no, money. Next question is from Taylor Baca. What are the best and most paradigm-shattering things you have learned from your co-hosts? Hmm. Oh, wow. You're going to challenge us like that right now? Yeah, yeah. 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 I got to think about that. I have, well, I have one. Okay, good. You start then. So. Yeah, I have one. One thing that I learned really well from both of you guys. And this is something that I prided, you know, had pride in myself for doing as well. But when you witness it in other people and you witness it the way I've witnessed it, it really, um, really challenges me to be even better at this. And, you know, I, I get to work with these very uh, intelligent, hardworking alpha men um, who very good at what they do, very confident in what, extremely confident uh, in what they do. But the humility um, that uh, I've witnessed is just, I, I've never met people who are as confident as they are, as you guys are, but also as willing to be like, oh, I, I was wrong there, or I messed up there, I need to get better. Or I'm not good at that, let me, you know, let me do this even better. Like that's, those are th two things that usually don't go together. Usually you find someone that's, super alpha, super confident, has a tough time with saying those things, has a tough time with uh, acknowledging those things. But you guys are very, you're, the humility is, and, it, and I think that's what true confidence really is. And it's, it's been pretty awesome to work with uh, because it really challenges me in, in, in being able to do that. Um, on more specific uh, uh, levels, you know, I'll start with Justin. He's got this ability to, um, he handles things in a very stoic manner. He doesn't, um, I mean, and you know, I, I know Justin, you've said you've been criticized in the past for not letting your emotions out or whatever, but mm -hmm. no, you are an expressive person. Cause that's the, now I got to know you, mm -hmm. you talk about what you want to talk about. It's not like you try to hide things, mm -hmm. but you're stoic in the sense. And it's good because it, it puts every, everybody else at ease. Like if you're, you know, you're leading a team doing something and you're freaking out, everybody else can freak out. You, you don't, you're always mm -hmm. like, you're fucking solid. Like, you know, like if shit went down. Uh, Justin would be the dude you'd want by you because you're going to feel like shit's going to be okay, even though maybe not, it's not going to be okay, but he's got that ability. 
Um, Adam has an ability to um, just go up and talk to anybody and uh, and say anything. That's pretty pretty cool, pretty cool thing to watch. I've had other friends that are good at that as well, but uh, not quite as good uh, as you. And so watching you be able to go up to people and say what you're going to say um, and for it to be received the way it's going to be received and then be able to just go into a room with people and have conversation the way you do, it's really cool and it's a cool, uh, it's a very cool skill um, that I, you know, that I now feel like I'm getting better with because I'm around somebody who's better than I am at it. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and go next. I think, um, obviously I bring this up all the time in terms of like how you guys communicate and I pick up on it quite a bit and I've actually learned, you know, the most from just, you know, watching how you guys deliver, uh, what, what you want to deliver and, and, and the way that uh, you guys both do is different. Um, and so I've definitely taken, uh, pieces of both of you know how you guys have um, brought and presented information on the podcast and um, that's that's another to, to kind of go into the confidence thing um, obviously like you know with with the way that um, I, I pick up on uh, you know with Adam how he is able to kind of present information or just a thought and he does that in, in a way that's like um, it's, it's, there's no holding back. There's no, and it's not necessary. There's definitely critical thought that goes into like before he presents it. So it's not like he's just winging it, but at the same time, it's, I think there's a bit of a hesitancy I've always had, you know, and there's something that I live in my head a lot. And that's something that I've been trying to sort of break over that barrier of, uh, having an opinion and then, and realizing that opinion and walking through that opinion. And so, I think um, the delivery and like the storytelling and the way that um, you're able to communicate that I, I've definitely picked up a lot from that. Uh, you know, same thing with Sal in, in terms of like just just having um, just being able to recall information, but also like not. And I know I know you've read a lot of articles. I know you've read a lot of material where you could just regurgitate it like word for word at this point. But the way that you're able to extract and simplify uh, the the true message of it and the root of it, I think your delivery is, is is you know definitely something that is is unique. And I think that a lot of people can digest it uh, very well. So those were definitely two things that like, I'm I've improved just as a byproduct of being around you guys. So this is a a little bit more challenging for me, especially with Justin, because I feel like much of the, you know, the word paradigm shattering happened for me way early on of having him around me. You know, so Justin's been around me for a really long time. So there's not a lot that he does now that like surprises me. Like, I I think I have a, a, a really good understanding of who he is and I've, I've been long impressed uh, with with him so I don't feel like there's been that much that in, in the podcast where I'm like holy shit I can't believe that Justin's like that it's like that was why that's part of why he's a part of this and why he's with me I mean I've got a, a ton of intelligent great smart trainers that I've been around my entire career that would lo- would have loved to have the opportunity to to have joined forces with Sal and Doug and there's a reason why Justin was. I really felt like he he was where everywhere I was weak, I felt he was really strong. And so we really complemented each other personality wise. Now, some things that I have tried to apply now more that I think for him, and it's funny because the opposite, right? So what he's 
taking from me, I'm taking the opposite, which is, you know, I try to, to collect my thoughts more than when I, I used to. So, you know, I, I can sometimes just respond how I feel and what's on my mind. Um, and I, I'm trying to be, be in my head a little bit more and, and thoughtful about what I'm about to say, because not everybody who's listening to this podcast really knows who I am and know, knows that I'm coming from a good place. And so I'm trying to think a little bit more before I speak. And so that, that comes from him. Um, but I definitely have had pa- paradigm shattering moments with Sal and with Doug. I'll start with Doug first, since we didn't really touch on Doug. Um, you know, something that I've always prided myself on is I may not be uh, the most read or intelligent man in the room, but it's rare that I, I will ever be in a room of, of gentlemen and women for that matter that I work with that can outwork me. Um, and it's, it, it many times have I been surprised that I can send a message to the group thread or, or send a message to Doug at weird ass hours, you know, <laughs> And he's right there with me doing something. You know, mm-hmm. I'll I'll be grinding away at, at something or looking at analytics or or in in our business somehow. And sent and he's like, yeah, I'm doing this. And he's doing something on the business at weird weird hours like me. So, uh, you know, there is a good chance that even as old as he is, that he may be able to <laughs> work <laughs> work me under the table. Which is I, I love that pushes me to a whole nother level. And then, and then there's been there's been several like paradigm shattering moments uh, with Sal. Um, I'll use an exercise one that I think is since we didn't talk anything really about that stuff. He was really uh, what got me into deadlifting as as consistent as I've been deadlifting for the last few years. Um, and that was when I was getting into competing, and him and I were uh, sending back gay photos to each other, and he would he would tell me he would cr- me. delete all those. Yeah. <laughs> He would critique my physique, and he says, "Man, I mean, you should really and you know push the deadlifts more, push the deadlifts more." And you know, I listened. You know, I said, "Okay, you know, I, yeah, sure, I kind of deadlift here and there. Yeah, sure, I was kind of squatting here and there, but never like like a strength program, like m- much of what like uh, Maps Anabolic is like." And I really put a lot of energy and focus on it, and it it just it blew my mind. And I've shared that on the podcast before. And he was the real catalyst to that. Was he was in my ear about that? I'm also always impressed uh, with his ability to communicate his thoughts and his points. I think he is by far uh, the one, the most talented person that I've ever been around uh, when it comes to uh, making his point about something. I think he does it in a way um, that's probably a lot less polarizing than the way that I do it. Um, and you got to be a real asshole, I think, to not receive what he's trying, because he, he comes from a very pure place. He really does a very good job of uh, looking at both sides of the argument before he presents his argument. Uh, he's extreme, extremely open-minded for it as as stubborn as he is. So what? that 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 to be able to um, what's that called to be able to live in, in two polar polar opposite? What's the word I'm mm-hmm. looking for? There's a there's a term for that where you can you can live in both both ways and you can communicate that way. That's very bipolar. <laughs> not a bipolar. <laughs> That's where I live. <laughs> that that to me, when you see it live in action, and there's no preparation to this podcast, people ask that all the time. People used to always ask me, you know, does Sal have a computer up and he's looking at all these studies and that, and that was for sure a, another paradigm shattering moment for me to to witness at hand like he literally is not cheating there's nothing in front of him he talks 
when we the conversation flows in a direction that he had no idea, he has this ability to pull from uh, this catalog of information that he has buried in his brain and regurgitate it damn near verbatim for what the study or the article said. It's um, it's just as unbelievable to watch in person as it probably is to listen on the podcast. So that was uh, very uh, paradigm shattering when I, when I first got it. Now, I think a lot of these things that we're talking about right now, which is neat that we're visiting this, we take for granted because we're with it every single day. It's not even a big deal anymore. It's not a big deal, but it yeah. is. It well, is I think about how much I've how much I've changed because I'm around uh, certain things. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's that just goes to to show you like, you want to hang around people that um, that challenge you in those ways because you'll get better even if you're not trying to. I think you try. You ever notice this? You ever you ever have a friend who has an accent? Like I had a friend who was uh, <laughs> from England, and yeah. we were good buddies for a long time before we moved back. You to started talking with it. I started. I yeah. swear to God, I would hear myself have an accent every once in a while. What the fuck am I doing? I'm not Dude. even from. But it's a natural thing that you start to pick up on, and we do it all the time. I mean, there's verbiage that I know I say that I first heard Justin or Adam say uh-huh. that now is a part of my vernacular, and it's and that's just a small part of it. But it's that growth that you get from being around those people. And you know what? Having kids, it's really important to know this because then you can see the kids your kids are hanging out with and you start to realize what your parents used to tell you about, be careful who you hang around with. It's very true. Mm-hmm. You could have the strongest character in the world, but if you're hanging around with a bunch of losers, it starts to you start to slowly become more of that. And so, you know, being around these guys has really made me a better, smarter, more effective person. So it's a good question because... A lot of people are listening, are trying to better themselves, mostly physically, right? Because they're into it's a you know fitness podcast and all that. And it's like, look, if you're trying to eat better, you're trying to exercise more consistently, and the people you're surrounding yourself with are don't care about those types of things. At some point, you may have to make a choice where you have to kind of start being around really, people that really fucking hard. Yeah, yes. it's interesting because I think about this every now and then. Especially, I feel bad for podcasters that are like flying solo. Because they don't have like that constant criticism, mm. you know, their ego will just keep going and going and going, and people either tell them they're great or they're not great. But there's that constant communication and, and checks and balances happening uh, within this dynamic. I think is really unique. Excellent. So look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can download any one of our guides for free. In fact, you can download all of them. You can have all of them for free. So there is no limit. Uh, mindpumpfree.com. Also, you can find us on Instagram. We all have individual pages. So my page is Mind Pump Sal. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support. 
And until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>